multi-dimensional infinite consciousness having a brief experience called human the focus of attention that uh, that the body gives us on a narrow band of frequency and we call it human we call it the world it's just a, a frequency band of information which we're interacting with like Wi-Fi I, I symbolize it in the answer as a bubble you're in the five sense bubble. You put people in the five sense bubble, the perceptual bubble, and now instead of getting insight from expanded states of awareness, you are operating in a bubble of perception. And the idea from the couple's point of view is you isolate people in the five senses and then you dictate the information that that isolated uh, consciousness gets. So you um, isolate people in the five senses and then you program their perception of reality this is exactly why we live in the world we do and it's exactly why people see the world as they do now how do we burst the bubble we redefine our self-identity if if you say to most people who are you pleased to meet you who are you they'll give you their name they'll give you where they come from they'll give you their job They'll give you the life story. They'll give you their labels. They'll give you um, all the things that we give labels to. I am a man. I am white. I am British, uh, etc. But they're not who we are. They are what we are experiencing incredibly briefly. And if we can ditch the labels and see them for what they are a brief experience and self-identify with the consciousness ultimately potentially all consciousness having an experience then that very expansion of self-identity I'm not little me anymore. I'm not Ethel on the checkout or Bill at the call center. I am a state of infinite awareness having an experience. Then that expansion of self-identity or triggers an expansion of consciousness. So you're no longer confined in forming your perceptions to the bubble anymore. But when you say, I am consciousness having an experience, everything changes. Two things hold us in servitude. Two things keep us there. Woof, woof, yes sir, no sir. Fear of the unknown stroke, fear of death, and fear of what other people think of us. From that big game, long game point of view, the things that terrify and uh, limit and freeze people in five sense perception don't apply anymore. But people freeze because they're, they're self-identifying with the, the little eye. When you self-identify with the big eye, everything changes. And the big eye would never, ever subjugate itself to the impositions of other people. 
and the deletion of its freedom. Wouldn't do that. And I'm certainly never going to do it. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Joining us for the next hour and a little bit more is David Icke of DavidIcke.com. David Icke, thanks for joining us. It's Abs in a Six Pack, episode 65, broadcasting live. This is a new live son of a bitch. Broadcasting live from East Tennessee, baby. I'm from Tennessee and I've been doing this for a long time. Today we're joined by one of the most demonized and censored men on planet Earth. Uh, there are very few people who can claim that title, but he is definitely one of them. But also the most vindicated man. Uh, he's been proven right so much over the last 30 years. DavidIke.com, Iconic.com. Check out his books. The Trigger was one of my personal favorites. Uh, he's got a new one out that I haven't yet read yet, but mean to. Mr. David Ike, thank you so much for joining me today. I think uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about is your stance on COVID. I know over the last year or so, No Agenda, Adam Curry, and John C. Dvorak have been playing clips of you making a very compelling case that COVID-19 was not natural, not created in a lab, but it just doesn't exist, period. That is how the intro would have started, but uh, made a rookie mistake and forgot to hit the record button until about five minutes in, so... You're missing uh, Mr. Ike and I ex exchanging pleasantries. Um, but I caught uh, most of his COVID rant, so we'll start off from there. You really only missed maybe the first minute of it. And uh, rookie mistake, that was my bad. I was a little overexcited and so enthralled with the conversation right off the bat that I was like, oh, thank God I hit, remembered to hit record at some point, right? So uh, starting here. He starts about mid-sentence, um, but you didn't miss too much. Just the exchanging of pleasantries. So here we go. Let's build beer another. The, 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 the of um, 2020 was this thing was starting to emerge, apparently out of China. And uh, there were two versions that were being given. One was that it was natural and somehow had jumped across from bats in a wet market. And the other one was that it had been released by um, the Chinese in um, uh, Wuhan through a um, bioweapon safety lab for the highest level of containment um, and that it was some kind of bioweapon. And as I always do when I'm faced with these situations is I just sit and wait uh, and just see where it goes, see what comes up and, and start to make um, judgments based on that, not just 
reflex action, this is what's going on. And so um, I, I dismissed the natural part of it straight away, and that was for this reason. A, it made no sense, but also um, having tracked this global cult that's behind all this for over 30 years, uh, I know that when a massive society-changing agenda-advancing uh, situation appears, um, then it's never uh, something that happened naturally and they've taken advantage of it. I don't say that there aren't things that happen in the world and they think, well, we can take advantage of this. Uh, yeah, of course that happens. But the big society transforming ones are long, long planned where everything's in place. So um, by February, I'm looking at it and I'm going, well, January, actually, I'm looking at him saying that this is this is not a natural uh, uh, happening. So the other alternative I looked at, um, and I was kind of open to it, uh, was the bioweapon. And I I looked at that and there were a lot of things that made me think, no, I, I, I can't go with that. Because uh, not least that when you release a bioweapon, you can release it in a, in a, in a small area. And, and you can get some effect from that uh, uh, that you want. But if you're releasing something globally, you're going to lose control of it very quickly. And one thing I big time learned about this cult and its mentality, it doesn't like losing control. This is why it wants to control every area of society. If it was um, uh, uh, involved in a football match, it would want to control both sides and the referee so it knew the score before the game started. That's the kind of mentality we're dealing with. Uh, and I also looked as this unfolded at the fact that um, the, the, the death numbers from the so-called deathly uh, or deadly uh, bioweapon uh, didn't, didn't match what you would expect. Okay, we saw people keeling over and collapsing in the street on footage out of China, but that's not happened uh, as it's come apparently into the West. So I'm thinking, I know this has been staged because it offers, and this has proved to be correct, unlimited potential to introduce the agenda for the world that they've been planning and I've been exposing for so long. And then I started to come across um, one or two doctors and scientists. Uh, first of all, um, I got, uh, I read a, an email from an American medical scientist. This is quite early on, this is in March, where um, he's pointing out that um, the, the test that they're using to test for the virus, the PCR test, is not testing for the virus because it can't. And he was very early on on this. Uh, and that he said, if you were going to um, scam a virus that didn't exist, you would go for a coronavirus. And he explained uh, a number of reasons why you would go for that. Then I came across, of course, the Event 201, the uh, Bill Gates Foundation, John Hopkins uh, University uh, simulation just a few weeks before the real thing uh, happened, actually, I would say the real simulation, uh, uh, in which they were um, simulating a pandemic of a coronavirus. Oh, just by coincidence, nothing to worry about. And, and so I'm now moving. I'm thinking, well, hold on a minute. Does this buddy thing exist at all? 
And then I came across uh, a doctor in America called um, Dr. Uh, uh, Kaufman, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, who did a very compelling uh, presentation. Uh, didn't go out to a big audience, first of all. Um, but it was pointing out the, the lack of evidence that the virus exists. And what's, um, what's happened since uh, is that the evidence has just mounted and what seemed to be a ridiculous um, assertion, there is no virus, has now been um, accepted by more and more and more people because it's, it, it's what makes sense of the situation. And I went public with it in March, April, uh, to, to, to a lot of derision of you, as usual, but um, I was absolutely convinced from the evidence I'd, I'd seen that uh, this virus did not um, did not exist. And then you find that um, there's an isolation process where you take uh, uh, genetic material, which you say contains this virus, um, and you isolate the virus from the genetic material. Because if you don't, and you just put the genetic material with all the gunge and bacteria and other things in it, um, in, into a, a, a test situation, then you have no idea what is causing the, the, the outcome, whether it's, it's what you say is the virus or whether it's actually all the other stuff that's in the sample. And it, then it, it, it became clear, and indeed the Chinese uh, head of the equivalent of the CDC uh, as, as publicly admitted uh, that the, the problem was the virus was never isolated. Uh, and, and you follow this through, you follow this through with all the um, Freedom of Information Act requests that have been uh, sent out to many and various um, health authorities in different countries, asking the simple question, can you um, give us the, the paper that describes how the virus was um, isolated and therefore shown to exist in and of itself? And every single one has come back saying we don't have that information. In fact, uh, the one that came back from the um, Department of Health in Britain uh, added um, uh, the, uh, the statement that because uh, virus, viral particles can only exist uh, and, uh, and grow with other genetic material and not in and of themselves, it's actually not possible to, um, to isolate the uh, the the virus and and show it to exist and and one of the things i've been writing today it, it, it is an extraordinary um story that of of how they claim uh this um virus exists uh there's another doctor in america who from early on was saying there is no virus and it's a man called dr tom uh cowan and uh, he produced a, a, a brilliant article a few weeks ago from a paper published uh, on the CDC website. And it was by 20 virologists and they were um, describing the quote, isolation purification as it's called and the biological characteristics of this so-called SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus. And, um, and, and, and the, the process by which they came to these conclusions. And what they said was that they had only identified what they claimed they'd identified 37 base pairs of this uh, alleged virus 
out of the approximately 30,000 that they allege the, the genome of an intact virus contains. And what they did, this is all in this paper, is they took the 37 segments of 30,000 and they put them into a computer program which filled in all the rest. And uh, Cowan um, uh, in this article describes it um, uh, uh, brilliantly when he says that it's the equivalent of this. A group of researchers claim they found a unicorn because they found a piece of a hoof, a hair from a tail and a snippet of a horn. They then add that information into a computer and program it to recreate the unicorn. And then they claim this computer recreation is the real unicorn. But of course, they've never actually seen a unicorn, so it's not possible that they've examined its genetic makeup to compare their samples with the actual unicorn's hair, hooves and horn. The researchers claim they decided which is the real genome of SARS-CoV-2 by consensus, sort of like a vote. And again, they had different computer programs to come up with different versions of the imaginary unicorn. And so they came together as a group to decide which is the real imaginary unicorn. Uh, and this is, the, um, this is the whole foundation of the claim that this um, exists. And just to finish the point, how they pulled this off is three, three, um, three ways, three points. And because they haven't got a virus, they have to give the impression that they have. Of course they do. So they came up with something called the RT-PCR test to, um, to use to test for this virus. This is where all the cases are coming from. And by, uh, by definition, the, the, the alleged deaths. But their problem with this PCR test is that the, the creator, Kerry Mullis, a brilliant man, by the way, and a very honest and genuine man who won the Nobel Prize for it, um, said publicly the PCR cannot detect infectious disease. He said what the PCR is there to do is to make lots of some things out of a something. In other words, um, make lots of copies of the original very tiny um, material. Um, and so they've been testing people with a test not testing for the virus. And, and when it tests positive, and it's not testing positive for a virus, it's testing positive for genetic material in the sample that matches genetic material naturally in the body, um, they then say that's the case. And that's where all the cases are coming from. Uh, and so um, you uh, have that, um, that creator of the case uh, through the PCR test, which is not testing for the virus. And, and the other part of the PCR scam is that that um, making more and more copies that um, Mollis talked about is called amplification. And it's, it's accepted by everybody in the, in the whole science medical arena that the more you amplify the, 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 the sample, the more genetic material in the sample is going to be picked up by the test, and thus more and more people are going to test positive. Um, and so if you amplify it and amplify it to a certain extent, uh, you get a point where every single person who is tested will test positive. Now, according to Fauci, uh, you know, a, a, a man of, of, of that level of crookery, 
even he's saying that if you amplify the PCR test over 30 uh, amplification cycles, it's useless because everyone above that's going to be a, a fake positive. Um, and the National Health Service in Britain, in an um, internal document to staff, uh, admitted that it was using 45 cycles of amplification. And there's at least one um, major company laboratory that's been using 50 cycles of amplification. <laughs> and as someone said, it, 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 if you do that, you're going to get a stone to test positive. And, and now we can understand why the authorities in um, Tanzania could send off a sample of a goat and a pawpaw fruit and someone in Germany could send off uh, um, a sample of a, co a, a, a cola and uh, sent them off under human names and they came back positive for COVID-19. So that's the cases sorted out. Right. The and illusion of them. The, uh, the, the inventor of the PCR tests, Kerry uh, Mullen, I believe his name was, he publicly called Fauci an idiot and said Fauci didn't know what he was talking about and offered to debate Fauci. Of course, Fauci refused to respond to that. Exactly. I'll come to that in a second to, to Mullis, because there's a very interesting story about Mullis, which relates to HIV, which absolutely mirrors what's going on here. So that's number one, the cases. Number two, um, if you test positive um, with a test not testing for the virus and within 28 days, and in, in many cases longer, you die of any other cause, any other cause, then COVID-19 goes on the death certificate. And of course, in the uh, period of COVID-19, flu, flu-like symptoms, same as COVID-19, has disappeared worldwide because it's been redesignated COVID-19. And, and, and so there's your deaths. And then you, you come to the third point, which is the symptomatic um, cases. Uh, they, uh, for reasons I'm sure we'll, we'll get into, they uh, absolutely needed lockdown around the world to destroy independent livelihoods, incomes and employment and businesses so that people became en masse dependent on the state, thus under the control of the state. But they couldn't justify a, a mass lockdown that we've had um, be, when, when you know, the vast majority of people had no symptoms. They knew that they were going to test positive for this test because it wasn't testing for a virus. And they knew that as a result, loads and loads of people, the great majority actually, were going to test positive without any symptoms. So there's the problem. How do we get the lockdown? So what they came up with was a monumental lie that even though you've got no symptoms, you can still transmit the virus to other people. And therefore, we have to lock down to protect the vulnerable, the vulnerable old people, for instance, that they've been killing in droves um, since this began and continue to do so. So those three things, the test cases, the, 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 the test 28 days or more deaths and the asymptomatic transmission that isn't, those three things have um, together given the absolute illusion of this um, test, uh, of this uh, virus rather, and, uh, and uh, justified uh, the lockdown. And just very quickly on that point that I, I, I made, uh, one of the things I've just been, um, you know, uh, writing very recently is uh, Kerry Mullis um, uh, wrote a book in the, the 1990s. And um, in that, he described his experience with, um, with HIV. And uh, what he said was that he, he was um, 
he heard that this um, HIV was was said to cause AIDS, and this is how it works. This someone says something. This is how it is, and everyone believes it, repeats it, and no one asks the question. Well, hold on, where's the evidence? And that's what you know. People like me and others. There's another great, a, a great journalist in California um, called John Rappaport who sussed very early as well that there was no virus. But anyway. Um, what Kerry Mullis did, he said, well, I accepted it. Uh, he was writing in this book, uh, Dancing Naked in the Minefield, it's called. Um, and then um, he was doing some work um, uh, uh, with, the, with PCR at a uh, laboratory in uh, California. And he wanted, uh, as part of a report he was doing, to um, put a reference in the report to... Um, not only that HIV caused uh, AIDS or was um, likely to cause AIDS, but but this is this is this is how it was proved. And what he couldn't find anywhere was proof of anything, any paper, anything that showed that HIV uh, caused um, AIDS. And he um, he asked a virologist that this. Um, laboratory where he was working uh, you know where's the reference to show that hiv causes aids and you know you know what the guy said he said oh you don't need a reference everybody knows <laughs> it right now this is a, one of the great destroyers of, of human understanding is everybody knows that because that's that that's the end of any kind of research so most then well everybody may know it but i want a reference so what he did is he, um, he he kept going and he couldn't find a reference anywhere. Eventually, he um, met with the one of the, the two um, virologists who are um, linked to um, uh, 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 saying that HIV causes AIDS. And he asked him for the reference. And the, he, he said to uh, Mullis, um, oh, um, uh, Go to the report of the, by the Centers for Disease Control. Well, Mollis had already read that, and it did not have a reference to the proof. And eventually, he comes across another virologist in uh, America, uh, uh, a guy called Jewsberg. And, and I, I researched all this at the time, so I remember all this. And Jewsberg was, um, was there showing that actually there was never um, a, uh, any proof whatsoever that HIV caused AIDS. But by what by, by, by this time, and this is the point, as Mullis points out in his book, there's a multi-billion dollar industry has built up with government grants going off in all directions, people being terrified of getting the, the AIDS virus, as it was called, if you remember. And Fauci was in on all of that. Yeah, and there was there was no proof of one causing the other, none. And that um, was a mirror of what, what we've, we've seen since the start of 2020. So you don't need a real um, agent of infection. You need the belief in it. And I, and I concluded over, you know, earlier on this year, uh, uh, back in the, the, the spring, that there is a bioweapon involved. There is. But it's not the virus. It's the vaccine justified by the virus, or at least the vaccine. Mm -hmm. They claim to be a vaccine. It's not really a vaccine.
And it's interesting that uh, Australia halted the rollout of their COVID vaccine because it was causing people to test positive for HIV. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 insane. And one of the things, you know, that um, that Mullis uh, um, was talking about is you, you, you can't you can't use PCR to to pick up these things because it it it, it cannot um, uh, detect the difference between uh, one or two uh, what are called viral particles and the whole virus it, it can't and they've never isolated the whole virus which which brings brings me to another thing you know the reason they called it SARS-CoV-2 is they said it's uh, uh, was 80 percent of the genome of what what I'll call SARS SARS one, but SARS one was never isolated and shown to exist, and as um, uh, Andrew Kaufman pointed out, eighty percent of a genome is nothing. Um, a chimpanzee is ninety six percent the same um, genetics as a human, but look at the difference between the two. Eighty percent is nothing. I mean, something like 60% uh, of, um, of a banana has the same genetics as a human. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, from the start, this was a scam. Uh, and, um, and China was absolutely involved for reasons I go into in, in depth in the answer. It's a place which has been specifically designed to create and incubate the global system of control to be one day played out and now it's it, that day has arrived you know this this cult was behind the Mao revolution and uh, it created this closed society where if the government said it's happening it happens in the west um until now by the way until now in the west they still had to play some kind of lip service to, to freedom, democracy, and all that stuff. I mean, not really, but publicly. And so they could they could move until now. The um, the, the the movement towards the um, the, uh, the beyond Orwellian uh, state based on AI and technological control. They they were able to move that much slower. But in China, they could move it very very fast. And so they're way ahead of of the West. And the idea was to reach the point where that incubated model of human control, not least based on AI and technology, could be played out in the West. And, and if you look at the West um, since this started, it's become ever, ever more like, like China. And, uh, and, and the Chinese Communist Party is a front for this cult, just like the, uh, the deep state in America is, the deep state in Britain is, and so on. I I wanted to touch uh, briefly on 5G before we get into vaccines, um, and then I had some more nature reality questions for you to wrap up. But before we get into any of that, uh, 5G had a uh, the NIH had on their website a story about how 5G RF frequency radiation mimics coronavirus in the body, mutates the cells. Uh, once people like Alex Jones and No Agenda picked up on that the nih removed it but if you go back on the way wayback machine you can see that that that's uh the nih in fact had an article linking 5g to coronavirus um and then of course wuhan is where they first rolled it out in china right at the 
onset of the quote-unquote outbreak. So uh, I wondered if you could get into 5G for a minute. Yeah. Um, well, when I when I came out uh, in a series of interviews that got massive, massive um, circulation in the spring uh, and talked about there not being a virus, I also talked about 5G. Um, and and what how it was reported is that I said that um, 5G was causing the virus. Given the fact that I was saying there isn't a virus, I can't see how I could be saying that 5G caused it. But I was making this very point that you've uh, just mentioned, that um, the, the symptoms of, um, the claim symptoms of this uh, uh, virus um, can be uh, generated by um, 5G. And I mean, you, you, you remember there was a, uh, a doctor in New York uh, uh, and uh, he came out early on and said that uh, something strange is happening because they were told to uh, prepare to treat a viral pneumonia disease. But people were coming in with something that was nothing to do with pneumonia or some viral disease. It was, it was the equivalent of um, someone's lungs um, in a plane that depressurized at 30,000 feet or um, was on the top of a mountain uh, like Everest with, with no, um, no oxygen supply. Um, it, and the point he was making is that it was a, a problem with, um, with the take up of oxygen. People were breathing in, but they weren't um, absorbing the oxygen on the level that they were breathing in. And that, that made my ears prick up. And I, I, I did talk about this um, in the spring because at 60 gigahertz within the 5G range, um, it interacts with the oxygen molecule in a way that uh, stops the body, the blood in the body absorbing um, oxygen on the same level that it did before. And this thing about depriving people of oxygen is, is, is a theme because that's what the masks are doing. It deprives people of oxygen when you wear one. Now they're saying wear two. And one extraordinary uh, uh, excuse for a doctor came out recently and said people should wear four, which is obviously a death sentence. Uh, uh, so that there is something about depriving um, uh, the body and particularly the brain of oxygen. And uh, I, I did a lot of research from 1996 across the millennium uh, into the years after into mind control, mind control techniques and, and, and MK Ultra, of course, the infamous one in America and Canada. And I, um, I met many, many, many people, not just in America, in Britain and other parts of the world that had been through these mind control projects. Uh, and um, one of them contacted me uh, a few months ago when the masks started being made mandatory to point out that her daughter, um, who had been born in captivity while she was in MKUltra, and I met her daughter as well, um, was forced to wear a mask from the age of two uh, because of um, A, it dehumanized her, uh, B, it, um, it, it, it took away her sense of individuality, and the, the, the big one, it deprived the brain in, it, in, in the very years of development when it needs lots of oxygen to uh, f uh, to to develop and, and therefore made the mind control and the manipulation of the brain and the brain pathways easier and uh, you probably saw that in um maybe a couple of months ago now maybe just a bit more a um a a, a neurologist came out and uh, 
said that the effect of masks on the young and children is going to be catastrophic because of the uh, deprivation of oxygen. She was pointing out that uh, when, when you're a child and even uh, still a young, young person, uh, young um, uh, teenager, your body is still developing and crucially your brain's still developing and and you need enormous amounts of oxygen more than 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 you know when you when you come into maturity and adulthood and and, it, and, and she was saying that this deprivation of oxygen is going to have a, a tremendous effect on the development of the brains of young people uh, so it, you know none of this stuff is by accident um, and you know when you when you get behind the politicians into into that which is writing their script this whole thing is being driven not by even uh, uh, medical uh, professionals it's being driven by psychologists the driver of the policies in britain which are the policies of the other countries around the world same thing but they're being driven by um, uh, something called spy b uh, the government in britain is advised on science it's not um, by something called sage is a group of scientists which is which has many many psychologists uh, among them uh, but this offshoot of this sage scientific advisory group for government um, is uh, called spy b and it's completely 100 percent a behavioral manipulation uh, organization and they are the ones that have been driving the policy uh, the person in britain who was pressing for mandatory masks uh, more than anyone, she was on the media all the time, was a lady called Professor Susan Mikey. And uh, she's not a medical professional, she's a psychologist, a behavioural psychologist. And this is what's driving it, all the social distancing, isolation. What do they do, you know, when you, 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 you they have prisoners of war, etc., and they're trying to break them down? They, they isolate them. Isolation is a, a major part of, of, of torture and of breaking down the human psyche. Uh, and, and it's amazing to me, having researched all those years into MKUltra and other mind control projects uh, inflicted on individuals and to, to, to look at the world today and see exactly those same techniques being used on the population as a whole. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to change gears a little bit uh, while we still have time and talk about uh, just the nature of reality. I want to talk about archons and all that in a minute, but uh, where are we? Do we live in a simulation? Uh, is this a God-created universe? Um, what, 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 what are we on? What is Earth? What is all oh, this? Well, that's a, that's a big story with many elements of it. And I, I, you know, I've been researching it all these years because there's so many elements of the story. Um, if, if, you, if you go to the core of the core, I, I, I talk about this global cult, which is a global network of interconnecting um, secret societies and semi-secret groups with an interconnecting interlocking uh, core leadership um, and that is what is um, orchestrating world events not least this covid hoax but you go beyond that you go deeper than that and you're into a force which is not human and you know i i was researching this in the 1990s uh, and it became clear that you know this this whole conspiracy to totally enslave humanity went back a very very long time 
And so people were coming into this world, being born. They were playing their part in, um, in advancing the agenda, more and more centralization, more and more control, uh, generation after generation. And then they were dying and other people would take over. And I thought, you know, there has to be a common theme here. There has to be a common force that spanned this whole period of a very clear and coordinated manipulation uh, to a specific end, which we're getting close to all the time. Uh, and that's when I started coming across uh, a, a common theme. Uh, I would look at uh, and meet shamans and, um, and carriers of ancient knowledge in the various um, different cultures, um, the Zulu culture, Aboriginal culture, Native American, uh, and so on. Uh, and the common theme was that although they used different names and used different symbols, the common theme was clear. And that was they all agreed there was a force in the unseen, unseen to humans, that is, that was that was manipulating human society. In, in the Islamic belief system, they call them the jinn. And, and then in, um, uh, after I concluded this, and it was important it was after I concluded it, uh, that this was what was going on, I then came across the, um, the texts that were found in an earthen jar in um, 1945 at a place called Nagamadi, about 75, 80 miles uh, north of Luxor in Egypt. And these uh, texts, were um, were left by what are called the Gnostics, the Gnostic people, and it's estimated they were put in that earthen jar maybe around 400 AD, which would make sense because it was about around that time that the the end of the great or royal library of Alexandria uh, came about. Uh, it was destroyed by the uh, the Roman Church, and the the um, the great library of Alexandria in Egypt was um, was basically run by Gnostic um, thinkers. Uh, and so the fascinating thing about these texts was that unlike other religious texts and texts that have you know been out in the open all these years that can be changed to fit the authority of the day, these texts were sitting there in an earthen jar all this time. They couldn't be changed. So what you saw is what was left. Uh, and about a fifth of these writings uh, was about a, a force that the Gnostics called archons, which is Greek, ancient Greek, for rulers. Uh, and when I read these texts, I've got two very large books um, on the shelf behind me, uh, which, which detail what's in them all. Um, it was a it was a head shaker for me because it was basically telling the story in um, in their way that I'd come across from all these different other cultural and 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 um, uh, sources and, and religious sources etc. Uh, I mean Christianity they call this the, the this this force demons the de the demonic realm and all that stuff same thing uh, and so um, I was. Um, I was fascinated because by this time I'd concluded just around the turn of the millennium just after that indeed we do live in a in a simulation 
Uh, and in that in those days, um, there, I only ever found one other person that was really talking about it. It was a guy called Nick Rostrum at Oxford University, but he was talking about it in a, a bit of different way to the way I saw it. But he he was talking about the fact that we uh, we uh, likely lived in a simulation. But of course now, all these years later, a, a lot it's moved into the mainstream. This whole simulation uh, um, uh, hypothesis, as they call it. But the reason I mention it in relation to to the Gnostic writings, the Nagamadi writings, is that they were describing the fact that we live in a fake reality that has been created by this archontic force. And real reality, uh, as, um, as they would describe it, is, is a, a beyond and outside this fake reality that has been created to um, to delude us into believing that we're somewhere we're not, and as I I read those writings and I I took what what they were saying of what 400 A.D. and that that kind of period, and and then I applied it across to the technology we have today, and you know, visually represented by things like the Matrix movie, uh, movies, and and it seemed to me even more so now. That they were actually describing their fake reality it was a simulation. It's what we would call today a simulation, uh, and I, I I do think that's the situation we're, we're we're in. But human consciousness has enormous power uh, to create its own reality, uh, and uh, what this cult, what this archontic force via this cult within our frequency band of the world, is has had to do all along is to control human perception, control human perception, limit human perception, get humans to um, self-identify only with, with the body and the labels of the body, and don't let them remember that they are actually uh, a, a, an expression of infinite consciousness having an experience, and that the experience they're having are just brief experiences called human uh, but the real, the real I is that consciousness which is having the experience. Um, people in that mode of self-identity and awareness, they're not going to be scammable on uh, anything like the scale of people who are manipulated to um, process all information, all experience, all happenings through only the five senses. And so it, it, the, here we are aspects of potentially inf infinite awareness, infinite genius, infinite inspiration, infinite potential, infinite creativity. And, and we've been manipulated into believing that we're Ethel working on the checkout in the supermarket and Bill driving a bus. Um, these are just experiences. They're not who we are. They're experiences that who we are is having. But it's this um, suppression of true self-identity, to be replaced by the labels of experience, to be perceived as our identity, that has held uh, humanity into such um, in in such servitude. And of course, through the years, um, religion has been used as a suppressor and a perception controller too, um, by um, telling people that there are certain um, individuals within church churches etc and religious belief systems who know what god wants and um and they and and they'll tell you what god wants so that you can do what god wants
Uh, and so that combination of a belief system of there is no life after death, we're just a cosmic accident, and we're just a bunch of cells, and um, we, we're born for goodness knows what reason, and then we die, and that's it. That combination of that, and there is a judgmental God, and you have to do what he says, and by the way, we know what he wants you to do, uh, that, that has so controlled um, perception, uh, generation after generation, century after century. Right, we're, we're presented with a false dichotomy. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, do you, yes, want, do you yes. want this falsehood, or do you want this falsehood? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, um, it, I'd like to rapid-fire rapid through some questions from the audience uh, before we call it a day. Um, some friends of the show and some listeners, um, Boris D. Python, he was asking, how can we create communities to reach people and make them aware of the threat in this case i think he was talking about 5g but when we're all getting censored how do we what's a good way to reach people um that maybe aren't open to these ideas while censorship is also a factor well obviously it makes it more difficult but it doesn't make it impossible uh, and and i would i would go two ways um, first of all you just have to um as the uh, as the phrase says necessity is the mother of invention so you know we we need vehicles to communicate information uh, so let's let's invent some and that process is happening i know they can they can still cut them off like uh, like parlor etc but but there's more and more that are that are emerging uh, video platforms etc uh, as a response to this which wouldn't have existed otherwise um, because people would have just stayed with youtube if they hadn't been censored out of sight on it uh, uh, so that's that's part of it. I mean, I'm doing interviews all the time because I want to keep getting this information out. It's where I'm delighted to talk to you. Um, but there's another part of this, which which is um, a, a bit deeper. We live in a uh, an energetic field, a, a sea of energy. Um, it's like fish swimming in the ocean. All the all the fish are connected by the ocean. And they are, they are, they are actually part of the ocean. They're in sync with the ocean. And we live in an, an energetic field that's, that's like an energetic sea. And it's a sea of information. People can, um, can visualize it, if you like, as a Wi-Fi field. You know, you, you, you walk into a, a room where there's Wi-Fi and, and you can't see it. But because you know about Wi-Fi and computers, you know that if you if you if you put up the computer and you connect with the Wi-Fi, you're going to get access to a worldwide reality called the Internet through this unseen radiation field. And it's exactly the same principle. We there is this unseen energetic field that connects us all. Now, that field of information is being um, influenced and changed all the time by the thoughts and the, uh, the views, the opinions, the emotions of, um, of, of, the, of the population. Uh, and this cult knows that. It's, one of its goals is to keep this field in a, as low a vibrational frequency as it can, because it knows that if, if, we, if, if it can keep the, the field, the sea, 
in a low frequency state, that's going to influence people and, 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 and they'll be more likely to operate in a low frequency state. States of fear, states of anxiety, states of depression, etc. Um, but just as with Wi-Fi, the internet, we are affected by what appears on the screen from the internet, yes, in information. But we're posting on the internet all the time and we're affecting it. And collectively, we're affecting it massively. Uh, and so as we ourselves um, transform our perceptions, those the, the, the frequencies, the information fields that those perceptions represent are also influencing the, the field. And people are connected to this field. And, and you, you know, people can be affected in terms of getting a, a feeling, you know, something's not right or what's going on from the field without even uh, necessarily talking to anyone about it. They just get the feeling, you know, and, and, you know, I've come across people, many, many people who said, you know, you know, one day I was just sitting there and I was thinking, what's it all about this none of this makes sense and it's it started a a, a a process of of looking into it that changed their lives uh, and you know i'm absolutely uh, sure that as more and more people awaken and they are my god this is this 2020 to now has uh, woken up so many people um who um to, to say hold on a minute the world's not like i thought it was what's going on and as they do, they're influencing the field. You know, th th there's this um, uh, phenomenon they call the hundredth monkey syndrome, where once a certain number of a species learns something, suddenly others in the species start to be able to do it without being shown. And this is the same, um, it's a species internet, a communication through the field between species that are operating on the in, the in the same band of frequency and and this knowledge is being communicated and so suddenly a, 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 a member of a species can do something spontaneously apparently that others have had to be shown right it's a it's morphic resonance of the species um, exactly um, or the exactly. collective unconscious yeah exactly um, and we have that and and so you know I would just encourage people and say look everything you're doing like this interview now it's going to go out to a certain number of people but its frequency which carries the information that was communicated in the interview that's going out into the field <laughs> and it can be picked up obviously they won't pick the interview up out of the field but they'll they can pick up the resonance that will um, uh, manifest a, a a feeling in them that that is related to the information that it carries uh, so you know it's 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 not just voice to ear communication that's going to turn this around this hundredth monkey syndrome is part of it right and and if you're listening to this on spotify or uh, stitcher or whatever you, wherever you get it uh you might want to subscribe direct to the rss feed because there's no telling what'll happen to that after this episode <laughs> um, uh, just to rapid fire a couple more questions here from the audience um 
real quick. Uh, Booberry, friend of the show, he was wondering about uh, LED lights or or uh, Wi-Fi enabled smart lights. What those do? It's interesting that you 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 come up with that question now because it also relates to the field. Uh, because what they're doing is seeking to change or dominate, dictate the frequency of the field and the information in the field via technology. You know, if you, if you take that, that field concept and then you apply it to people like Elon Musk and, uh, and others, Amazon as well, putting up low um, orbital satellites to fire 5G, etc. at the Earth, well, what is that doing to the field? What 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 is the what is the five G frequency uh, from whatever source it's being generated through the masts or the satellites? What's that doing to the field? And and you know when I um, look back when I was born, I was born in nineteen fifty two. The the radiation, the technologically generated radiation. Um, in, in, in the field around us, the, the, all around us, in other words, in the field, is millions of times greater than it was when I was a kid. Uh, and this is affecting the field. And again, if you're not in your power in terms of your consciousness and your self-identity, if you, if you have a belief that you're just little me and have no power, well, that um, opens you up to being affected by the field and you far less affecting the field because you don't think, you know, I mean, you won't think, oh, I'm, 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 I can't affect the field. But the same principle applies. I have no power, so I cannot uh, impact upon the world, what I would call the field. They say the world. Um, and therefore, the, the field, the world, will impact upon you and you'll become uh, basically controlled by it in your perceptions and everything. But when you, um, when you come into your power, when, when you stop self-identifying with transitory labels of a human life and start self-identifying with being the consciousness, potentially infinite awareness, having those experiences, the, the consciousness is you. Uh, then you come into your power. First of all, you start accessing um, massively expanded levels of consciousness, massively expanded levels of frequency, which, which, which you are now manifesting through that connection in this field. And now you start affecting the field and, and not just in the sense of um, affecting it in ways of, of affecting other people, but you affect the field in the sense that you now are in, in, in your own power, um, not letting the field impact upon you in anything like the same way. Because if you, if you just, um, uh, just if you, people just visualize, uh, you know, living in a bubble and the, the bubble is weak and therefore the field is impacting massively on the bubble. And then um, imagine a, 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 a bubble, a consciousness bubble, that's immensely bright and powerful. Now this field cannot impact upon that in the same way. Uh, and 
this is why all the way through human history, um, the powers and the authorities right to present day have sought to um, keep from the population the true nature of who they are. Because once we wake up to that, it's game over. Um, and, and they're desperate for us not to do that. Yeah, if they can, uh, like I said, if they if they can stop the caterpillar from turning into the butterfly, they'll then then they win. Um, I got t- we got time maybe for two more questions. I won't be able to get to them all, but um, uh, Midnight Mike from OBDM was wondering your thoughts on the Pentagon Tic Tac video UFO disclosure. Like, is that are these real alien UFOs? Are they man made? Is this part of Project Bluebeam? Yeah, well, I I would I would just say as i as i am myself um to always stay one step back from these things because you know you mentioned project bluebeam uh, you know there's um there's an old old perceptual manipulation trick which is to get people to um gather in support behind a, a leader or a leadership to meet the threat of a common enemy. It's been used all the time. I mean, in, in, in many ways, you, you, you look at the so-called COVID virus and, and it is actually an expression of that. The enemy is the COVID virus and so you must do what you say, we say and, and, and uh, support the leaderships because we're all in this together fighting the COVID virus. It's the same principle. And if you want to um, create a global centralized uh, leadership, dictatorship, then you need threats to the world to justify that creation of a central global leadership. So you look at the threat of global warming caused by humans. Um, of course, it's not, and it's a load of old crap, but you, you get lots of people to believe it. And they will give their power away uh, to um, the leadership, ultimately this cult, to transform human society into centrally dictated uh, um, a dictatorship to save the planet from uh, climate change. Uh, but another example of a threat to the world demanding a, a global response, global control, is a threat from a extraterrestrial invasion and it has come um, up so many times over the years going right back into the 90s um, I, uh, I remember a, um, a lady who used to work for Werner von Braun uh, who was um, uh, he worked for the Nazis uh, and um, he was um, involved in the creation of the V2 rockets that were targeting London and through Project Paperclip, um, the um, major Nazi scientists and uh, geneticists and mind controllers were brought to America after the war. Um, of course, many of them were involved, the, the, the mind control uh, people were involved in MKUltra. Uh, and this assistant of Werner von Braun uh, went public um, 
eventually he 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 died and and when he was he was dying he told her of a series of things to watch for because he was a massive big time insider he he uh, was one of the major players in the creation of of nasa and and uh, was a the major player in um the the saturn rocket system that um took um they say um the 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 craft to the moon the apollo uh, craft to the moon uh, and he said a series of things to watch for and one of them was uh i mean and he, and he said to her they won't be real but there'll be excuses to push this agenda on as i would call it and one of them was a, a, an extraterrestrial invasion and and so we've gone from just complete dismissal to more and more it's being you know fed out uh, and now, you know, oh, no, the, 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 the military are aware of it now. There is. Uh, and it's like another thing that I've come across, um, obviously, over the years, um, going way back, is the fact that uh, just because something uh, is, is flying in the sky with apparently amazing technology doesn't mean it's necessarily uh, not humans flying it. Uh, and of course, extraterrestrials exist. Of course, um, I mean the idea that humanity on this pin pin uh, head of a of a planet are the only forms of life is ludicrous. But uh, it, it's it's also very um, uh, very important that we realise that the cutting edge of technology in the public arena is never the cutting edge of technology. Actually, no nowhere near close. And um, so they do have this anti gravity. Uh, uh, technology to fly these things about doing things that the technology we know about the, the aircraft technology we know about would not be capable of doing um, so it doesn't mean that just because when people see that and even you know military people see it who don't know about the hidden technology it doesn't mean it, it's, it's extraterrestrial but if people can get the the feeling it is and get the fear that it is then you're into project bluebeam so I, I, you know I, I always take take these um, look at these things very very carefully because the one thing you learn uh, uh, researching this over the years is what you see is never what what you get it's never what really is right <clears throat> yeah it, it, it's it's never the obvious answer is something I've definitely learned um, sorry to everyone that submitted questions we'll probably only have time for one more but uh, my co-host Noah was wondering if you've ever experimented with psychedelics because i know these altered states of consciousness and higher dimensions in my opinion can definitely definitely be accessed by psychedelics oh yes yes i have um i did it uh, one time in 2003 in the brazilian rainforest um i did it twice i did uh, something called ayahuasca um oh, wow. and um i had an amazing experience on the first night over two hours, um, an increased dose the next night and had the experience of a lifetime because over five hours, uh, it takes about an hour to, to kick in. So you go into an altered state. And the thing is that when you open your eyes, the world looks exactly the same, but, but, your eyes don't want to stay open they want to close when you you've taken this stuff and when you close your eyes you're in a completely different reality 
And what happened was um, a voice started talking to me. After this started to kick in, it was a female voice. It was very powerful and it was very, very funny. I mean, you know, wherever it's coming from, I want to go there because it's, it's, it's a hoot. It was really funny. Um, and the opening line when the voice started speaking to me was, there's really only one thing you need to know. Infinite love is the only truth. Everything else is illusion. And it repeated it um, about three times or so. And in the next five hours, this voice um, explained to me the illusory nature of reality, how what we see is not what's really there. Um, we are decoding information into the form we think we're experiencing as the world. Um, but the, 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 the world is not like it appears to be. And it went into great uh, detail. And the amazing thing was that um, I had instant recall of it um, afterwards. Uh, and the, um, the whole um, explanation was, was amazing. And so what I did is I came back to Britain and I started looking at these different aspects that this voice had described about this is an illusion. This is a holographic illusion, basically, as I would call it. Um, and I found that different elements of science, mainstream science, they'd actually sussed the different bits, but they hadn't put it together. Uh, and But there are, there are now um, people in the mainstream who are starting to go down these roads. Um, there is a, um, a, a physicist called Hoffman at, I think it's... Uh, the University of California, Irvine, um, who, who is very, very um, good on this, who's um, had the courage, and he must have taken some, uh, to come out and say, actually, he, 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 the way he's describing it is in, in his perception is the world that we see is like the desktop on a computer. It's the interface. And everything behind it is is very different, but the interface is what we experience, uh, and and that's exactly what how I see it. That the the reality we 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 experience as the so-called physical world is just a projection of something else. Uh, it's a bit like um, standing on the uh, the stage of a, a movie theater, and you're looking at the um, you're looking at the screen. Uh, and and that's that's your reality, but actually the information that's manifesting on the screen is coming from somewhere else. Uh, uh, so uh, it was um, that that ayahuasca was over those two nights was a a fantastic experience. And there's not one word that voice told me over those five hours. Uh, and I like I say, it was funny. I mean, the, the the hardest thing was the pain in my belly from laughing um, as it was it was it was basically making fun of how we perceive reality compared with how it really is i remember i remember i remember lying there in the, in the dark it was in a big roundhouse in the middle of the rainforest 
and and as I as I looked up, the, the sun, it, uh, the the moon, it must have been close to a full moon. It was it was big. The, the the moon came up, and I looked at it, and 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 the voice just said, "Illusion. It's all an illusion. The moon's an illusion, and the moon is an illusion because it's a it's an information field, and the way it appears is the way we decode that information field, just like a computer decodes Wi-Fi. Phen phenomenal. And, and, and like I say, there's not a word that I was told that night that hasn't been supported by the evidence since. Beautiful. Yeah, uh, thank you. So I can't thank you enough, uh, Mr. David Icke. Thank you so much for spending the time with me today. Uh, it's davidike.com, iconic.com. I really can't recommend your book, The Trigger, enough. And uh, the new one is the answer, right? I'm gonna have to read that. Yeah, the answer. Yeah, and that's uh, that's got uh, a major um, dismantling of the COVID story. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is so. I mean, like I say, I'm just writing another one at the moment. And and uh, but um, when 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 you put the the COVID story together, um, it is so in ridiculous. It is what we're being told is so insane in relation to the lack of evidence for it. It's, it's, it borders on the comedy club, really. Yeah, I can't agree more. Well, thanks again so much. And uh, if I'd love to talk to Gareth at some point, too. Um, I'm a huge fan of you. Thank you so much. You're doing the Lord's work, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm sure Gaz would be, uh, would be delighted to talk to you. You have a great day, sir, and God bless. Bye. David Icke, thanks for joining us.
the beat. This is a new live son of a bitch. I was eating jalapenos during the break. <laughs> Can I give you a cookie? Can I give you a cookie? Oh, cookie. Hey, you give your mom a fluoride? Hell no, we don't give a fluoride. I mean, that's something that really sinks in for people. Chicken McNuggets. go off air right now. All right, see, I told you I can't be on air now. We're gone. It's over.
country in the world turned over to these savages i'm done i'm pissed and i'm not putting up with it anymore you let me tell you something you filthy traitors in the government you pieces of crap you are the most degenerate twisted mentally ill people i've ever seen <laughs> Yeah, we are 
Protesters have swarmed Chadston Shopping Centre singing a John Farnham anthem to mark the third consecutive weekend of anti-lockdown rallies. As Eliza Rugg tells us, organisers are claiming the stunt as a victory because of the huge financial cost to police. Taking on Victoria's lockdown laws through song. With an out-of-time rendition of a John Farnham classic. The choir sung to shoppers at Chadston. We're having a freedom gathering, yes. There are potentially far more people that will lose their lives due to the lockdown measures. Freedom of speech and our human rights have been violated and it's disgusting. We have the chance to turn the pages over. This has gone beyond a joke. I'm a perfectly reasonable, normal person with no job now. I was a cathedral organist. That is my job. The churches are closed, the organs are shut up, we can't play. As a musician, my life is in tatters. I've got no income, I'm on universal credit now at the age of 57. My wife's a filmmaker, she hasn't got any work. We're both on universal credit. For the first time in our lives, this government has sold us down the river. Uh, and I'm coming out, firstly, because I've got nothing to do, and secondly, because I want to make a difference. overreach has destroyed my career. I had a good paying career, paying my bills. My biggest fear right now is how quick American patriots crumbled and hid in their homes because their government told them that they should. Governments love pandemics. They love pandemics for the same reason they love war. Because it gives them the ability to impose controls on the population that the population would otherwise never accept. Down the barrel of a gun. Me and my friend have driven up because this is so important. We are losing our freedom as all these thousands of people are here. Do you know, it's so big, I don't know how many. It must be tens of thousands. We are having our lives taken away from us. And it's all about the money. This is all about ushering in the new world order. This is all about financial enslavement.
like to be they, free. They want to wipe out individuality. They want to take everyone's individuality away from us and turn us all into a collective unquestionable. monarchy and a democracy. The only thing a government needs 
to make people into slaves is fear. We're not gonna live with fear. when lockdown rules have been slightly relaxed. People are now allowed to meet one person from another household in an open space, as long as they stay a safe distance apart. Forget physical distancing, they're fed up, bunched up, and angry at continuing orders to shut their businesses and stay home for the good of all to combat COVID-19. Give me liberty or give me death. You're not wearing a mask. In the face of so much medical advice, we heard a lot of that. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, this week joined a growing list of state capitals where anger at the economic shutdown is boiling over. The coronavirus threat, say many, overblown. There are about as many police officers here as there are protesters, and nobody is social distancing. The government advice in the UK is to stand two meters apart from one another, that's about six feet. As you can see, people are all very close together, and none of the cops are wearing any PPE. Coronavirus has killed about 40,000 people in the UK. But despite that, some protesters said they believe the disease was no worse than a common cold. Can you see the police wearing gloves? Can you see them wearing masks? Where's their PPE? There's nothing. That's all. They know it's bull. That is enforcing these rules. And that's not my opinion. I am a free man in a free country. Arrests began almost immediately. Don't protest. Go home. Stay home. Follow the rules. Uh, and then you'll be able to do all the protesting you like at some point in the future. So many of you don't have face masks and are standing shoulder to shoulder. You son of a piece of garbage! I hate you! My listeners hate you! And remember that scumbag forever!